0: So let's talk about thorns. Thorns are <clears throat> pretty common. They're everywhere. We come upon them frequently, no matter where we live. There's some kind of thorns, they come in different uh, shapes and sizes. But one thing they all have in cam- common is I do not like thorns. They are an inconvenience, they are a waste of time, they are an annoyance to me, and besides all that, I'm a wimp, so they hurt and they are painful. I have an ongoing battle with a certain set of thorns. Uh, my wife has uh, what's called a Finnish rose bush. And this Finnish rosebush has all kinds of thorns on the stems, and they hurt. And uh, I have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with Janine, the one who keeps asking me to work with this rosebush. But I have a problem with the thorns. Because, you see, this particular Finnish rosebush has the ability to spread quickly And and far. And every summer, Janine asks me two or three times to dig up some of it and move it elsewhere. And I hate that. It's me against the thorns. Um, I wear gloves and I still suffer. Uh, The thorns are that powerful. And So I just want you to know that as as spring and summer comes, pray for me. Uh, I will be asked to deal with that thorn bush some more this summer and uh, pray for my attitude uh, uh, toward that bush and the thorns. Uh, I'm going to tell you about something the Bible says today that I'm looking forward to because there's a time coming when there will be no thorns. And then I'll move that finished rose rosebush anytime for eternity. But for now, it's me against the thorns. And as much as I despise thorns, I'm going to talk about them for five weeks. So it's kind of God's sense of humor here for me. Uh, we're going to talk about thorns. Uh, there are five places in the Bible where thorns are mentioned. And there's something um, taught around thorns. The idea of thorns. And so that will be our guide in these five weeks. We're going to look at those five passages. Uh, Today we're going to look at Adam's thorns, which means obviously we're going to be in Genesis to start the series. Next week we're going to look at a parable's thorns. There was a parable that Jesus told that involved thorns, so we'll look at that. Third, we'll look at Israel's thorns as a nation and uh, what that's about. Uh, We'll look at probably the most famous thorn in Scripture, and that's Paul's thorn. And then we're going to finish the series on Good Friday evening at our communion service as we talk about Christ's thorns. So, thorns, the subject for the next five weeks. Today we're going to uh, look at Adam's thorns, so you can take your Bibles and and turn to the book of Genesis. That's where we read about Adam. As we all know, Genesis presents the origins of so many things, how so many things came to be, and it very clearly presents God as the one who caused them to come to be, as he is the creator. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse Eleven. We're jumping right into uh, God's creating, and this is the third day. Verse eleven. Then God said, "Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds." And it was so. The land produced vegetation. Plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees, bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And then verse 29, Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. So on the third day, the plant life was created by God and his conclusion after speaking the plant life, the vegetation, that part of creation into existence was it's good. He created the plant life and it was good. And the relationship With creation, the plant life, the ground, the vegetation, and man was good. There's all indication, especially as we look later in chapter three and think the opposite of what we see there, that the relationship between man and vegetation, the plants, all that was growing on the ground, was good. There was a good relationship, there was harmony between. Creation and man. They got along. Creation cooperated with man. It was easy to work with creation, with the ground, with the plants. The plant life produced, it provided for man, food. It was just a good relationship, harmonious between the creation and man. But, then the day came when the creation, the plant life, the ground and the vegetation coming from the ground was corrupted. It was corrupted by sin. Sin came into the world And even creation was corrupted, was impacted. We see that in chapter 3. We're familiar with the account. As we start chapter 3, we have this conversation between the woman and uh, uh, actually Satan, who's using this serpent. And the result of this conversation, as you know, is that there was disobedience, Um, there was sin. And because of that, all kinds of things began to be corrupted. There were consequences. There were consequences of that first sin. So, you know, just going quickly through this, all the consequences, starting in verse 14. um, The serpent, there were consequences for the serpent, had to crawl on its belly from then on because it was involved, it was being used by the enemy. There was pain. Pain wasn't a thing until sin came about. It was a consequence of sin. And particularly, God mentions that there will be pain in childbearing for the woman. Pain became a consequence of that first sin. Conflict between the man and the woman within their relationship became a consequence of sin. And conflict in marriage and any relationship has been there ever since, right? Obviously, prior to sin coming into the picture, there was harmony in relationships, even between the man and the woman. But God says, from now on, because of sin... There are consequences. There will be conflict. He goes on to say there will be death. He had told Adam, right, very clearly, if you eat of that tree, you can eat any other vegetation, fruit in the garden. Just don't eat from that one tree. And if you do, there's going to be death. And Adam was probably thinking, what's that? didn't exist until sin came. And death became a consequence of sin. Toward the end of chapter 3, we find another consequence of sin was separation from God. The man and the woman were sent out of the garden, couldn't go back, couldn't eat of the tree of, the li- of life that would have allowed them to live forever. They were separated. From the kind of communion they had with God prior to sin. And then there was one other consequence for sin. And that starts in verse 17 of chapter 3. To Adam, God said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground. So here's another consequence. Creation now is affected by sin, it's corrupted. The vegetation, the plant life. And he says, through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. There won't be harmony between you and the ground any longer. It won't be cooperative, it won't be easy to work with the ground. It will involve painful toil. Anybody relate to painful toil working with the ground? With creation, like Finnish rose bushes. Those Finnish rose bushes have thorns that hurt me because of sin. So he says... Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce what? Thorns. There weren't thorns before sin came along. Isn't that what it's saying? Thorns and thistles were a consequence of sin, the corruption of even creation, when sin came along. Verse 19, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. You're going to have to work hard. The ground isn't going to be cooperative. There isn't going to be harmony. It'll be by the sweat of your brow. It will be painful toil to get the ground to do what you want it to do and provide for you. And you'll also have to deal with the thorns, it was a consequence of sin. But I want you to see something here. A little phrase. Toward the end of verse 17, God says to Adam, Cursed is the ground. Underline the next three words. Because of you. God does not mince words here. He says to Adam, these consequences are coming because of you. You are responsible. God does not say, oh, it's okay, Adam. It was just a mistake. God doesn't say, it's not your fault, Adam. God doesn't say, "Well, I know it's it's what I told you not to do, but it's okay for now." No. God says to Adam, "Because of you, this will happen. These are consequences, and you're responsible. Your sin is responsible. Don't blame anybody else. It's because of you." your sin. Keep that in mind for when we get to the end of the message. Okay? And so, that was the situation after sin came. Thorns were a consequence. Getting back to our subject, thorns. Along with all the other consequences of sin at the beginning, thorns were one of those consequences. But, there's good news. There's good news for the finished bush. There's good news for creation. There's good news for the ground and everything that grows from the ground. You want to see the good news? Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is talking about the suffering we go through, severe suffering we go through, which again is a consequence of sin, right? Um, Suffering came into the world because of sin. Verse 19, Romans 8, he says, The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it by God. It was a consequence, even on creation, because of sin. And creation is frustrated. Do you think that might be the primary explanation for everything that's going on in creation today? It's part of its frustration and corruption The consequence that it faces because of sin. Verse 21. Here's the hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. Even creation is in bondage to decay. Corruption. Consequences of sin. But the day is coming. There's a hope. The creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom. Creation is going to be freed. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And then it talks about how we groan in these bodies that suffer. But he says the day is coming when our bodies will be redeemed. He's probably talking about the resurrection and the receiving of a new body. And he says when that happens to God's people, creation will be freed from its bondage to decay and corruption. And it will be back to where it was before sin, which means no more thorns. Creation itself will be redeemed, freed from bondage to the consequences of sin. That's good news for creation. Adam wasn't the only one who experienced the consequences of sin. We experienced the very same ones he did, and human beings have experienced ever since. Sin came into the world. Um, we experience the toil that it takes to work the ground. We we experience sometimes the resistance of creation as we try to take it under control and work it and get it to provide for us. We still face that. We toil painfully. We sweat because it's so hard to work the ground. We experience still that consequence of sin. We experience the pain of the thorns and the inconvenience of the thorns, the consequence of sin. Ladies, you experience the pain in childbirth, right? You know what the pain is like. The rest of us experience all kinds of pain physically, consequence of sin coming into the world. We experience death. We will experience death because of sin coming into the world. Our bodies decay, they're corrupted, they get old, they break down because of sin it's a consequence and we still experience that we experience conflict in marriage ever experienced conflict in your marriage any other relationship for that matter conflict sure it's a consequence of sin when sin came into the picture and we still experience it we still experience the consequences of sin. Probably the most serious consequence of sin we experience, of sin coming into the world, are the consequences that are eternal consequences. Isaiah 59.2 says that our sin has caused a separation between us and God. That's a pretty serious consequence, isn't it? Sin causes separation between us and the one who created us. We are all sinners. Uh, if you're still in Romans, chapter three. consequence of sin coming into the world is that we are sinners from the beginning. The time we come into this world, we're sinners. We have a sin nature. Uh, Paul says in Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's this separation because we're sinners. That's a consequence of sin coming into this world. If you go to chapter 5 of Romans, verse 12, Therefore, as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, death was a consequence, in this way death came to all people because all sin. We're sinners, and because of that, we're going to die. It's a consequence of sin. Uh, In verse 16, we find the statement, the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. Verse 17, the trespass of the one man... Through that, death reigned. Verse 18, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. Verse 19, through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. That's the consequence of sin. Condemnation, judgment, separation from God. We're sinners, and there are consequences, eternal consequences, because of the presence of sin. It's not just creation. We experience all kinds of thorns because of sin, the consequences. But there's good news for us too. There's good news. Because there is redemption, forgiveness, and freedom through Jesus for us. For God to so love the world right? That He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him will not perish, which is the consequence of sin, but have what? Eternal life. Jesus dealt with the consequences of sin. He went to the cross. He paid our penalty He died for the consequence of sin in our place. He was judged in our place, paid our penalty so that we could be freed, we could be forgiven, we could be redeemed, we could have eternal life. The consequences of sin for us could one day be gone. Jesus did that. Romans 8:1 says that for those who are in Christ there's no condemnation no judgment just hope hope to be with Jesus in a new body forever and eventually on a new earth that has itself been redeemed and there will be no thorns take a look at uh, Isaiah 55 <clears throat> Isaiah 55. There's some verses here that are very familiar to us about the Word and the power of the Word, and it doesn't return void and, and all of that. But the context here is uh, God, through Isaiah, is talking about this glorious time in the future, this future glory and what it will be like. And in uh, Isaiah 55, 12, he describes some of that future time. He says, You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. I was thinking about that verse last night in the sauna and it made me think of uh sound of music. I couldn't think of a word. It, it was like the hills are with the sound of music. The hills are, I couldn't think of it. So when I got out of the sound, I had to go ask Janine. What is it? The hills are alive with the sound of music. Paul sa- or Isaiah says there's a time coming, a joyful time, when even the mountains and hills will burst into song. The sound of music. Why? Because even the hills and the mountains will be freed from bondage to the consequences of sin. In fact, it says, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. It sounds almost like a a series of movies we've seen where the trees are clapping, right? Um, But it's going to be a joyful time, even for creation. And notice verse 13. Instead of the thorn bush, ah, will grow the juniper, and instead of the briars, the myrtle Will grow. There is coming a time when creation itself will be redeemed and freed from corruption, the consequences of sin. And there is coming a time when we who have been corrupted by the consequences of our sin will be freed, and no more bondage, and no more sin, and no more thorns, no more consequences of sin. It's going to be a wonderful time, and it'll be that way for eternity. That is good news. But for the rest of the time, I want to talk about right now, and I want to talk about those of us who have actually been redeemed. Um, We have believed in Jesus Christ. We have trusted Jesus and what he did for us when he dealt with our consequences, our eternal consequences, and we experience forgiveness, and we have eternal life, and we have the hope of being with Jesus someday and no more consequences of sin. If if you haven't entered that relationship with Jesus and experienced that salvation, you need to do that. You need to address your sin and, and ask Jesus to forgive you and free you from its control. But I want to talk for the rest of the time to us who are believers, who have that relationship. Because I want to say to you, even though we have experienced the good news of salvation, the forgiveness of sin, and we have that hope of all the consequences of sin being gone one day forever, we still sin right now, don't we? Any follower of Christ that did not sin this week? We sin, don't we? And did you know there are still consequences for sin? Do you know that? Of course you do. Sin has consequences. For our sin. And can I be blunt? You and I are facing consequences for sin. And it's because of us. It's because of me. My choice to sin. You are experiencing consequences of your sin, and it's because of you. Nobody else. It's because of you. Just like God said to Adam. God didn't blame anybody else. God didn't say it's okay. God didn't say, oh, you just made a mistake, Adam. Wasn't your fault. God says, it's because of you, Adam, your choice to sin, that these consequences are here. And any of us who right now are experiencing consequences of our sin, it's because of us. We're the ones who chose to sin, to disobey to not follow God's word. The consequences of our sin are our responsibility. It's because of us. The Bible says in Galatians 6, whatever a person sows, that he will what reap. There are consequences. There are consequences for obeying. There are consequences for disobeying. Sin has consequences. In Numbers, it tells us that our sins will find us out. You can't choose to sin and never face any consequences. Even as a Christian, there will be consequences here. The consequences that are eternal have been dealt with through Jesus for we who are believers. But we can still face the consequences of sin here. Consequences that affect us personally. Consequences that affect our relationships with people. Consequences of our sin that affect our family, our marriage. Consequences of sin that affect the kind of worker we are or whether we continue in that job. Consequences for our sin that affect our relationship with God and the intimacy and the closeness that we can have with God as His people. There are all kinds of consequences for sin. And when we choose to sin and we face those consequences, it's because of us we chose to sin. And you might say, no, I didn't choose to sin. Yes, you did. Who else chose to sin? You did. Yes, there was pressure. Yes, there was temptation. Yes, so and so did this. You chose to sin. That means the consequences are because of you. We have to learn that. We really do. Two questions at the bottom of your study sheet if you've been following along. Do we take seriously the potential out there and the present consequences of our sin? Do you take the consequences you are presently experiencing... And admit it. You are probably experiencing some consequence of your sin that you chose. Do you take that seriously? Do you acknowledge you are responsible for those consequences? It was your sin, your choice. Do you take that seriously? Do you take seriously the potential consequences of your sin? Do I ever think when I'm Making a decision under temptation or pressure. Do I ever think of the consequences potentially of me deciding to sin and disobey? Do you take seriously the potential consequences in your decision making of your sin? Are the consequences of sin and your awareness of that and taking it seriously a deterrent from sin? in your life, from disobedience. I tell you, they are for me. They're almost number one. You you would think at least a pastor, number one, should be I want to please God. That's what keeps me from sinning. It's a deterrent. Well, yeah, that's right up there. But I tell you, right close to that, to be honest, is the consequence. I am so afraid of the consequence of sin in my life. I'm afraid of what it will do to my wife what it would do to my children and grandchildren I'm afraid of how my sin will affect you I can't handle the thought of standing before you and acknowledging a sin that affected all of you it's a deterrent I take seriously it doesn't mean I never sin but I take seriously the consequences of sin and I hope you do too we need to. Because the consequences of sin are serious. And they don't just affect you and me, ourselves. They affect people in our lives. They affect our relationships. They affect our character. You know, if if we go on and we don't deal with our sin, we just get consequences piled on consequences, right? Maybe some of you right now are experiencing piles of consequences because you haven't addressed a certain sin or sins and you keep disobeying God and the consequences keep coming and they're piling up. That's tough. Or another way you could say it is instead of addressing sin, we keep disobeying and the consequences keep digging a deeper and deeper hole in our life. The consequences of sin are serious. Do we take them seriously? Seriously enough to repent and turn from them. You see, taking the consequences of your sin seriously isn't where you end it, or you stop. The next step is, okay, if I'm serious, About the consequences of sin, then I'm going to practice repentance and actually turning from and forsaking that sin. Because I do not want the consequences to continue. And I'm responsible for those consequences. It's my sin, it's my choice. Aren't you glad that your sin doesn't affect the whole world for all time, like Adam? But the consequences of your sin do affect a lot of people, a lot of situations. So we need to take it seriously, seriously enough to repent and turn. First John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. The Bible talks a lot about the forgiveness of God. I remember a number of times, and some of you have been involved in those times, where I have witnessed even teenagers taking seriously the consequences of their sin and being so serious about it that they have gone to God in repentance, sometimes on their knees, sometimes on their faces, but gone to God to address their sin because they take it seriously. They take the consequences seriously. And it's, it's an amazing thing to watch people get serious about their sin. It's an amazing thing to observe repentance taking place between God and one of His people. And then it's an amazing thing, a blessed thing, to watch those people turn from that sin. Because there's consequences in that too, right? There's consequences of repentance and turning, and they're great consequences. They make a difference. So I would like you, well, you better not. Read it sometime on your own because I'm going to skip around. But I'm going to read for you excerpts from Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. This would be David's experience with sin. A man of God who chose to sin. And he experienced consequences. And it was because of him. You can't blame anybody else. David made choices to sin. He faced the consequences. He was responsible. He tried to hide the sin. He tried to cover it up. He tried to push it away. Didn't work. Your sins will find you out. Whatever you sow, you reap. And so Psalm 32 and 51 has David honestly telling the readers, this is what it was like for me to both try to hide my sin and do nothing about it and to finally repent and turn from it. So I'm going to read excerpts from what David says. And you just listen because I'll be skipping around. But before we do that, I want to pray because I want to ask God by his Spirit to speak to us. Through the words of David. So I want to pray before we read it. All right? So let's pray. Our Father, we come to you now. We come to you to hear the words of your servant David, a man who was after your own heart, and yet he sinned, he disobeyed, and he faced the consequences, and he was responsible because it was his choice to disobey. Father, thank you that you didn't allow him to continue to hide and not deal with his sin. Thank you that you brought him to the place of repentance and turning from that sin and to face some of the consequences that are so good when we repent and turn. Father, I pray that you would work in hearts as we just read these words, Father, if there's someone here who is experiencing the consequences of their sin, and they've been trying to hide it, they've been trying to avoid dealing with it, the consequences are piling up, they're digging in a deeper and deeper hole, Father, may this be the day of freeing that person, that You would lead them, simply by hearing David's words, to repentance for their sin. The words of David. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And here was his confession. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out My transgressions. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. And against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Cleanse me. Wash me. Let me hear joy and gladness. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew that steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit. Sustain me. Oh God, my sacrifice is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. I'm going to ask if a song be played right now, and during the time that song is being played, if you need to address sin in your life that is been bringing consequences, Um, if you need to repent before God and and turn from that sin and seek His help, His forgiveness, His help, seek that gladness again that your sin has taken away from you. Seek that closeness with God again that your sin has damaged. Uh, Do that now. If, if, If you want to just do it in your seat, if you need to... Get on your knees if you need to be up here. You feel that's necessary. um, Go ahead. But during the course of this song, let's just have some personal time. I don't know who needs to deal with sin, but you do because you're facing the consequences. And can I say it again? Like God said to Adam, it's because of you. You chose that sin. You chose that disobedience. And you're facing the consequences. Deal with it now before the pile of consequences gets too high and the hole of those consequences digs is deeper. Deal with it before God.